So much sport to discuss and so much sport to look forward to, including the final of the Big Bash League. The countdown is on to tomorrow night. Now, earlier I did reference the 6.15 start for that game. That was on the back of the Courier Mail, that obviously being true. But 7.15 local time, I hope I haven't misled anyone. If you've booked your Ubers or taxis early, you don't want to be Ubering or taxiing anyway. Get public transport in would be my heads up. It's going to be a huge SCG. crowd there at the SCG. They do it pretty well. They do. They do it pretty well. Hey, I've only managed to get to one Big Bash game this season. Have you managed to get to any? Was that question to Loz? It can be to Loz. Okay. Uh, no, I haven't been to any, no. No, I haven't been. I've been to the test match. I it's a TV spectacle largely, but kids absolutely love it. When you go there and have a look at the demographic, it's parents and kids yep. absolutely mm. everywhere. I yep. can understand why. Yep. There's a lot of excitement. Well, it's great entertainment. Look at exactly last night's right. game, for an there's example. There's fire. There's noise. There's a lot a, of home runs, Betty. A, a lot of home runs. Uh, uh, pet peeve, Michael Clark. Pet peeve, I've tell got, me. I've got about 50 pet peeves. Yeah, I know. But this one's near top of the list from a cricket side of things. Mm-hmm. Commentary referring to a maximum. So another maximum for Brown. Don't like it. Well, it's, there is no such thing. There is no maximum in cricket. Is six not the maximum? Absolutely not. What do you mean? Well, you could, you could have run, s- you could run fifteen. No. if afforded the opportunity. No, no. You've got to stop at six. Six is the maximum. No, it isn't. Unless it's a no bore plus six. Okay, well, that's your, okay. That's your maximum. So seven is your maximum. Yes, but no, Are you, you can't. Sure? If you hit it straight up in the air, you can't run any more than six. I actually think. I actually think what the most you can run. The, the most. Yes, overthrows. Yeah, overthrows. So the most I think you can run is four. What if you run four and then and they then throw get it four in? overthrows? Eight is the maximum, and, and it's a no ball. Nine is the maximum. What if you run four and they throw it into the helmet? Nine. Nine. So a six. Long story short, you're right. A six is not a maximum. You're right. right. Correct. So we. But need in to regards stop. to running. I'm pretty sure four. No, you can run. You, you can, can run six. Five. You could go to six. I six has got to be the maximum. You've ch- he's moving. No, I'm going the back most, to the start. The goalposts. I'm going back to the start. Shifting. I'm going back to the start. The maximum you can run would be six. But yes, there are the other avenues of overthrows if you hit a helmet, um, or if there's a no ball. But six is the maximum you can hit. I used to get emphysema running three, so I, don't, I, don't I never ran it. I about. never ran a six either. No, hey, I don't think I ever ran any more than a four. Sean Abbott, what's what are the most runs you've run in a in a game? <laughs> <laughs> Questions he you didn't only think hit sixes and fours, mate. Yeah. Sabah's not running anywhere. <laughs> you must be excited. I, I don't even know how we digress to that point. What's the most you can run, Sean? I couldn't tell you, mate, but I've been hit for a few. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a fantastic Uh, season, and it all culminates there on Wednesday night. You must be so excited in front of a home crowd to be welcoming a team that were absolutely brilliant last night. The uh, Brisbane Heat made a mess of the strikers off Mm. the back of a a stunning 140. You would have been watching, I imagine? Um, uh, yeah, I've watched enough watching highlights. Highlights. I was, I was zonked last night from wrestling a two-year-old. So, mm. but uh, you could actually, um, I mean, everyone could probably see how excited we were when we won in Perth. Um, we felt like that was in some way a final and we we're all celebrating that we didn't have to jump back on a plane potentially and go back to Perth if we made it, if we'd won the next game. So, um, static. we feel like we are anywhere near our best, um, and the heat have been, 
you know, pretty good all season. So, um, and that was an amazing innings last night from Josh Brown that I've just, you know, logged on and had a little bit of a watch of. So, um, looked like an, a great game of cricket last night. Mate, obviously a, a, a great achievement, another final for the Sixers. Um, we, we speak about a lot about it in sport, this, this home ground advantage. So tell me a little bit about the SCG home fans in a big game. Does it make a significant difference to this Sixers team? I think it definitely does when we, we I think definitely at some grounds. I think other grounds you feel like you can if you get on top of them early with the bat or take a few wickets early, they can go a little bit quiet. Um you know, and that was certainly the case when we were up at the Gold Coast the other night, even though you wouldn't say it's you know, it's not the Gabba, it's not the the heat you know, ground every week. But we had a final against the Scorchers at the S C G a few years ago and it was the most amazing crowd that I've played in front of. Like like I've played in front of crowds in India and you know, in front of Dallas or whatever and in the New Year's Eve game at Adelaide but our crowd was singing songs the whole time. You, you felt like every time a catch went up for the Scorchers that our crowd was, you know, making all the noise to make sure that they drop it. Like, it was an unbelievable experience. And we've had that. We had that last game when we sold out. Uh, I think it was against the Thunder. Um, and I, we're all just like, if we can get a home final back here, it's going to be amazing. Um, and then, obviously, once we won against Perth, whatever team had made it to the final against sort of us, if we could get to the final, hard run for them so um, yeah you know the crowd we had a couple of nights ago against the Thunder at home was was incredible it was up there with that final game to be honest mm, yeah. you mentioned uh, Josh Brown and we've spoken about his performance this morning Sean uh, 140 and I must say I don't know a, a lot about him I haven't seen enough of him <laughs> yeah. um, but some of the hitting last night was so powerful um, tell yeah. us about him do you, or do, you, do you know a lot about him um, I've, well, it was a little bit tough last year when we we came up against him in. We might have even been his first game, but it's certain, we had no info on him. We had some, you know, club cricket footage from him, and it was a bit ridiculous some of the shots he was playing. Mm. You know, not call it slogging or whatever, but you know, this how hard he hits the ball. Like last night, I was just looking a minute ago about you know he'd play a flick off the legs or you know a pull shot or mm. some a shot off the top of the stumps against the spinners. And they they weren't just going over the rope, you know. They were going deep into the crowd. So, and you know, I like to think it doesn't really matter unless if it goes an inch over the rope or you know, 100 metres for me because I'm a bowler. I try and talk it down a little bit. But he's certainly hitting the thing hard. He plays good cricket shots, um, you know. And he and he plays. He's probably one of the more ultra aggressive um, uh, batters in the competition at the moment. Like the other night when we played up there, it was a bit of a, you know, the wicket was doing a fair bit up and down and sideways, and he was. That almost felt like it made him come harder down the wicket, you know, charging down the wicket or trying to hit the thing as far as he could. So um, he's definitely got some talent, as we all saw last night. Where's the team at, mate, in regards to fitness? Is everyone available for selection? And how hard is it going to be to to work out what your best 11 is against this team in, again, different conditions to what you've just faced? Yeah, well, we actually spoke about that. Uh, we speak about it a little bit because, you know, Shippy's getting a little bit older and it's quite stressful on him to put, uh, you know, a, an amazing squad of 15 and 18 into a, a team of 11. But mm. um, everyone's fit as far as I'm aware. Okay. Um, that was that was the case yesterday. So, um, you know, we had a good training run yesterday um, and we'll probably just, you know, top up today and see where everyone's at. But, you know, again, it's it's incredibly hard to 
you know, fit our team into 11. There's always one person that's having a really good year or their numbers, you know, stack up against anyone in the competition. It's going to be, unfortunately, running drinks. But, um, you know, that's unfortunately the problem that you have when you're a team that is competing in finals every year. It's not just a group of 11 good mm. players. It's a, a whole squad of 18. So, uh, but yeah, as far as I'm aware, um, you know, everyone's fit, uh, ready to go. So, um, yeah, hopefully everyone can just relax at training today, play some play some soccer and, and do some study on the opposition. Now we know who we're playing. Mm. And, mate, what about Husey and Moses particularly? Oh, and Sock. I'll put Sock in there as well. Those three have been <laughs> yeah, exceptional, yeah. For, for the three older boys, um, pressure moments, big stages of the game, um, just finding a way to stand up. And I think we're seeing it more and more in 2020 cricket. The perception is it's a young man's game, but... The more experienced yeah. players all around the world are, are doing a phenomenal job, especially under pressure. Yeah, I agree, mate. It's uh, I, I mentioned it to someone the other night. I think it might have been on you know a big bash interview after the game against the Heat. But you know, there's obviously this younger generation are coming out with this ultra aggressive sort of style of cricket at times, which you know raises the ceiling for what you can achieve in a in a in an innings of T20 cricket. Mm. Um, but the other night. And especially in Perth as well, like they weren't easy wickets to bat on. Yeah. Um, Perth is never really an easy wicket to bat. It always does a little bit in the first few overs. And we speak about the Scorchers, like they're so good at just playing four-day cricket for the first ten overs, and then they defend when they need to defend. And then the other night, that wicket was incredibly tough. Like it was seeming a long way. You know, we had Spencer bowling, you know, mid one four from fair swing, and Moe managed to catch up his strike rate and you know go a fair bit better than a run and ball. Mm. And then, um, you know, we just see so many times when Socky comes on, you know, whether it's a left-handed or the short side, you know, last game this CG, or last couple of games, actually, he's bowled all four overs to the short side, and that doesn't matter whether it was right-hand or left-hand. He just always seems to be a few steps ahead of the batter. And, you know, I think that's where we sort of differ from other teams. Maybe maybe the Scorchers so much, you know, they're probably a little bit similar, that when we lose the, the overseas players, our local our local list is so good and we've had sort of the core, same core group of players for a long time. You know, they seem to all be these, you know, big game players now that we've all had experience in finals and they just seem to step up when they need to step up. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, Ashton Turner hadn't really scored runs, but here he was, he scored runs in every final and then stood up in the big, in, in B final yeah. and got not out and got a same. I feel like Husey and Moses, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're scoring runs or not. If if we put them in a pressure situation in a in a round game or in a in a you know a different game or a final, you feel like they're just going to step up every time. It's the same with socks. So I feel like a batter, batter's never really playing. So um, invaluable players to have in any team, to be honest. Now it's a talented lineup, and let's hope they bring their best tomorrow night at the SCG. It's seven fifteen. Things get underway local time. Best of luck to you, Sean. And just before I let you go, a heads up that Law eighteen states that you can run as many yes, as you like. I was Up. wrong. I apologise. I apologise. Thank you for that Mitch, uh, information. And Mitch, Mitch from Robertson, Robertson. Thank you, buddy, for uh, teaching me the rules. Thank you. It's a little bit late for that, isn't well, it? Well, no, backyard cricket with my daughter. That's she true. can run as many as she likes. I thought you were saying you're going to run. I was like, mate, cut I'm not running. Slack. Hey, just on it, I've, I've delved a little bit deeper, if you don't mind. So mm-hmm. just bear with me. But... 
There have been two instances of 10 runs being scored off one ball. One was in 1873 and the other one in 1900. There have been 12 occurrences of a batsman scoring nine off a ball and the last of those was in 1949. But the important point is nearly all of them have involved overthrows bar one of those nine run instances. So a bloke ran nine with no overthrows. I would like an inquiry into the fielding side. <laughs> if, there, if there weren't several heart attacks mm, there, dear. then I would like an explanation for it. And while it is a little bit of, uh, off topic, Ryan Sidebottom conceded 11 off one legal delivery, but that was five wides and then he got hit for six. So at one point, his, his bowling stats yeah, okay. read point one overs, 11 okay. runs, zero mm. wickets. Mm. But that's sort of an aside. Sean... <laughs> It's been great. <laughs> Solving the problems yeah. of the world. Good luck, Sabah. Yeah, Good use, luck, that, use that at training this morning, mate. The boys will be wrapped. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone watching the big bass wants to see that. But, uh, no. Anyway. Uh, yeah, don't get hit for time. 11 off a ball. Best of luck, and we'll chat again soon. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Have a good one. Cheers, mate. Welcome back. This is the Big Sports Breakfast. Laurie Daly alongside Michael Clark and Benway taking you through the morning. It was a big day of sport. Lots of news to recap, but lots to look forward to as well. And if you're keen on your sport, you might be keen on a bit as well. Jared Daffy joins us. He is, of course, the senior tab at Media Presenter. And while we discuss the nuances of Cricket rules and regulations. Daff, you've got more important things to worry about. There's a lot of money being spent on NFL at the moment and hopefully a few bets that are going to lob in the next couple of weeks. Good morning, team. Well, Ben, you've sort of become the latter-day version of David Middleton with those stats. (laughs) Outstanding. (laughs) Outstanding. Um, NFL, yeah, we're down to four Monday morning. Uh, we've got Baltimore $1.53, Kansas City at two fifty, line of three and a half points. Bit of early money for Kansas City at the two fifty, and that will be followed by San Francisco a dollar thirty, Detroit three fifty, that line seven points, and of course the Super Bowl prices. I think Gerald Middleton's hanging onto a ticket worth a lot of money. San Francisco, <laughs> when he gave them out his specials, were five fifty. They are now two fifty. Baltimore at three, Kansas City four twenty-five, and the Lions, the Outsiders, at nine dollars. Daff, we just got off the phone to Sean Abbott. Are uh, mm. the Sixers the favourites in the BBL final tomorrow? Yeah, they are, Clarky. But uh, as has been the case all of the way through, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. But they're a dollar seventy. Uh, the Brisbane Heat two fifteen. Uh, so we've got a handful of markets up there already. The rest will come throughout the day. Uh, so that's tomorrow night. Um, now the Test. Well, tests on Thursday. It's interesting, this one in Brisbane. Uh, it's a day-nighter, as we know, a 3 o'clock start. But, geez, a lot of bad weather around. Uh, there'd want to be a real lot of bad weather to keep the West Indies in it. But that draw was $12 a few days ago. It's into 7 Australia a dollar and twelve, and the West Indies are twenty six. And at the same time on Thursday, I'm tipping it'll be a lot of eyeballs on this one as well, Clarky. India v England. I see Virat yeah, Kohli's out of the first two tests. Yes, correct. Uh, so India a dollar forty eight, a draw there seven fifty, and England four twenty into four dollars on the back of that news. Whereabouts is that? Hyderabad. Yeah, okay. Oh, geez. They're going to be uh, England will be doing extremely well, even without Virat Kohli. That's the that's the thing. Playing in Indian conditions, they could bring in one of fifteen batters, yeah, and they will still blitz it in those conditions. Because having so- said that, I, I don't recall a draw ever being 
the yeah. price that it is oh. in India at seven dollars fifty. It's a huge price. Oh, yeah. Maybe baseball's got something to do well, with that. But the, that's, that's what I was going to say. Maybe the style of play England have been yep. playing. But they're without Harry Brook. They haven't. He's a very, very good player. He's he's he he's out ball. of the entire series for personal reasons, and Virat's out of the first two Test matches uh, for mm. personal reasons. So yeah, going to be interesting. Yeah. Any money on? Well, I'm sh- I'm sure he'd be favourite Djokovic today. There wouldn't be any money on Taylor Fritz to beat him, would there? Uh, there is, is actually. There? Not not a lot, but his form's been pretty good coming into this loss. Uh, he's been seven into 6.50, so just a little change there. Djokovic, $1.09. Uh, that will be followed by Yannick Sinner, $1.22. Rublev at $4.20. Uh, we've got tomorrow's up. Medvedev, $1.38. Herkaz at two ninety, And Alcaraz, one sixteen. Zverev at $4.60 to win at men's title. Well, it hasn't really changed. Uh, the, the four at the head of proceedings have been that way for several weeks. Djokovic at two. Alcaraz, after last night's win, he's been four into 360. Sinner at five. Medvedev, 850. The rest are 34 or better. And the women's uh, in action today. First up, Coco Goff. She's $1.13 to beat Kostiuk at 550. Sabalinka, $1.13. Krejcikova at five fifty, and then tomorrow's uh, Zheng. She looked good last night. Dollar forty six. Kalinskaya at two sixty, and Noskova one forty six. Yastremska at two dollars sixty in the market to win the women's. Well, obviously it changed dramatically when Swiatek was beaten at the weekend. But Sabalink has been uh, the favourite for two days now. She's two fifty. Coco Goff two seventy five. Zheng at seven. Noskova at eight. Uh, the rest are thirteen or better. What about the Socceroos tonight, buddy? Uh, looks like a dangerous match looking at the prices, Clarky. Uh, Australia, $2.40. A draw's been back, three twenty into two eighty, and Uzbekistan at $3.30. So that one gets underway at 10.30 tonight. Mm. And uh, we've got all of those other Asian Cup matches open as well. Thanks, Daph. Chat again See soon. See you, boys. This is the Big Sports Breakfast. Laurie Daly, Michael Clark, and Ben Wade taking you through the morning. Big half hour coming up with Roger Rashid to talk tennis with the Australian Open heating up. And Brad Davidson, of course, to talk all things racing. Hopefully find us a few horses to follow. Later on in the show, Joe Lolly, the Sydney FC midfielder, will be on. And netball legend Kath Cox joins us as well. So still plenty of sport coming your way. Lots of discussion on the text line about the maximum Mm. you can run in cricket. As it turns out, there isn't one. But I did enjoy this suggestion from Nick from Newcastle. So he said, read the poem, How McDougal Topped the Score to See How Many Runs You Can Score Off One Ball. Now, it got me thinking. It did ring a bell. Mm -hmm. And I didn't remember it as a poem as such. I think I saw it as a short film or, or cartoon of that variety. But How McDougal Topped the Score was around in 1924, so when you were a kid, Laurie. Mm-hmm. It was a silent film <laughs> by Victor Upton Brown, Black and, white and it's based on a poem by Thomas Edward Spencer about a cricket match one when a dog steals the ball, enabling the batting team to score plenty of runs. Oh, my God, how good. And I dare say they just ran runs on end. Not the running. maximum of six just like you running. wanted to run, Clarky. Well, as Loz and I discussed in the break, well, what if you go no ball front foot... Hit it for six. Next ball, no ball front foot. Hit it for six. So this still hasn't been a legitimate ball. This could go for the entire over. Well, hang on. What, what 20 happens minutes, there? 20 minutes ago, I, no, you I, had I the maximum of six. I got it wrong. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being wrong. It's just having the balls to admit it. 
Ben, you were right and I was wrong. Can we I'm okay date? With that. Can we date? No. <laughs> I'm undateable. <laughs> I'm off the market. I'm single forever. But true laws, like you just keep going, no ball front. Well, didn't you yeah. say, was it Cybottom? Got hit for yes, 11. 11. Five wides, mm. re-bowl the ball, hit for six next ball. Mm. That is different than the all run. Mm. But anyway, nice. Uh, he mm. suggested that we needed a little bit of culture in the show, and I, I believe that did add it. Referencing silent films wow. from 1924, that oh. would almost be Always a first on the Big Sports Breakfast, wouldn't it? Always up for culture. Let's talk a learning. little bit of tennis. Learning, learning, learning. Roger Rashid, great to have you on the line and to chat to you once again. Carlos Alcaraz seems to be heating up at the Australian Open. Never really looked troubled, did he? No, he did it. Uh, Kekmanovic is actually uh, a, a Serbian player who got through in five sets. He had a five set of the, the a few days before that as well. So there's a fair bit of fatigue on his factor. But this is that I was saying last night that it had to be a statement uh, moment when Alcaraz is walking out because it's the second week of the major. You're playing prime time, and you want to be the one. You know, you want to be the one that holds the uh, trophy up in, t- in, a, in a week's time. And there are times when the best players in the world decide. They need to step on it to make a statement, and uh, Alcaraz did that uh, exceptionally well from the start. He was he was physical at the start. His ball striking was was pure off his racket, and his and his locations were the key for me. So when when the best players decide to step up, what you'll find is their their ball location, their placement um, is at, at the top on top the top shelf. And he was like that last night. And uh, uh, when he's in full flight, he's pretty fun to watch because he gives you a he uses the whole court surface area he, you know he's off the back of the court he's stepping up on the baseline he defends extremely well he'll serve in volley he'll play a, a bunch of drop shots so the creativity's all there and, he, and he's a fun watch. Uh, Rog what speaking of prime time what's the beef around Djokovic is his game not prime time again? Uh, he's during the day today so he's a first day match and um, is and he then peed got... off with that? Uh, I'm look who I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's going to be it's warm today. It's 30 degrees. Yeah. Um. So you've either got you know you're, you're either going to be in uh, so there'll be he'll potentially be in the heat of the day at around the sort of 2:30 mark or something yeah, like okay. that. So, so um so you know so he's got that type of match up uh, in his, in his match, but against Taylor Fritz. But you know Taylor Fritz, I wouldn't say he's a talented American who's who's you know, he's, play, he's been belted by Novak a couple of times, so um, who's not as fit. I don't think he's had the biggest preseason, but he's a beautiful ball striker, um, and he's, he's got his tennis IQ is enormous. So he can play the game, but, but I'd, I would rather play Taylor Fritz in the heat of the day, to be perfectly honest. And, and at, at night, you've got you know, Yannick Sinner and, and Andre Rublev, who beat, who beat Alex, and uh, that's, probably, you know, that's probably the match. You know, that's going to be, a, that's going to be a, a hell of a match, two guys that they they just club the ball, uh, move exceptionally well, and um, you know, and we're gonna, we're gonna I think we're gonna see a, a pretty spectacular match uh, tonight. So just a heads up for those at home, Djokovic when it comes to playing in the day or night, he has, I don't think he is complaining, but if yeah. he were to complain, he's played fifteen prior to the day match the other day. He played 15 night matches in succession. He hadn't played in the day at the Australian Correct. Open since 2021. Wow. Correct. So, so, and, that's, and that's the beauty of the big, the big, the big wow. boys. I, you know, you talk about the Australian summer and the heat and how, how do you get through. It's sort of, they get, probably if they get through a two-week cycle, they generally might play one uh, day match 
and that's generally about it. They might get two, but one day match. So they get looked after pretty well, and obviously, you know, they're, they're your big seeds. You, you earn your right, don't you? Roger, I saw the the last couple of sets with Zarev and, and, and Norrie yesterday. Yep. Jeez, yeah. that, I wish I had turned it on earlier. <laughs> it was a, it's an interesting game, isn't it? Because you've got Zarev, who, who, you know, he's, He's a quality player. He's been to a to a major final. He's he's knocked on the door. Then he's had his then he's had his woes where he's had serving yips and he's had, he's got a forehand issue which can break down under pressure. And and Cam Norrie, if if you guys if if you follow Cam Norrie's career, you think he comes out of the local tennis club the way he plays. It's it's not it's not necessarily uh, pretty, but he's a workman and he's and he's such a ruthless competitor. Trains the house down. And yeah, that was a. Did you enjoy that? Was, I loved it, it Roger. And, and you know what I, th- I thought, though? I, again, when, when I looked at, like, Zarev and his body language, he looked flat to me. Or is yeah. that just him? The other boy no, looked he, like he was pumping himself up, but Zarev just sort of went with the flow and there was no emotion or anything in his game, I didn't think. Yeah, that's the way he, that's the way he generally plays. And, and he does play. He does have flat spells. It was a good pick-up. He has, he has flat spells. Very fit and yeah. does the work. Um, and But he's... He's not in. He's not in your face like I would probably like someone of that height. Yeah. I, I like a bit of you know, like stick your chest out, like give me something. And uh, Cam Norrie does that. You know, he's he's he fist pumps. He looks like he's he's coming at you. Uh, he's fully committed to his game. It's not the best. It's not the biggest game, but what it is, it's a competitive game of tennis. Uh, he's been he's been in the top ten, Cam Norrie, and that's one hell of an effort um, to to get through to a top be a top 10 player uh, with his game and, and I thought there was a moment there at 5-4 in the fifth he got the first point on Zverev's serve and then it looked like you know potentially Zverev might get a bit shaky but mm. Cam couldn't get he just couldn't get enough balls couldn't return enough and then couldn't get enough balls into the into the weaker side of uh, Zverev so all credit to him and then um, and then Zverev on the interview he just forgot it was his old man's birthday. <laughs> I saw that, and he gave the bloke who was interviewing him a rap with what the outfit he had on. Exactly. Dear so, hey, what's what about the women's side of the draw? There's still some big names involved, albeit with the number one seat gone. Yeah, there are, and and the uh, just before we put we push to the women, thirty-two men's matches have gone to five sets this year at the Australian Open. Wow. So the last last time that happened was. Uh, in 1999, so we've still got matches to go, obviously, from you know quarterfinals onwards. But that's extraordinary. So it just shows the, I guess, the excitement that you know the fans have been able to, to gravitate to and, and see these epic, the, these fifth sets. And the fifth sets are generally, uh, you know, they, they've been pretty climatic and uh, they, they've been uh, they've been quality to watch. In the women's side of it, well, gee, it's uh, it's interesting because they're. The, the names are just falling. They've fallen, and uh, seeds have just kept uh, dropping out. We've got uh, three seeds left in the in the um, in the bottom half of the draw, so that's where it gets really tough. And that's uh, that's with Coco Golf there, Krejcikova, uh, who's been a former world number two. She was a French Open winner in uh, 2021, and she plays Sabalenka. So that's in a quarterfinals to play uh, the winner of Coco Golf and and Kostyuk and. Uh, She's a Ukrainian who's only been to number 32 uh, in the world. So this is her best, best Grand Slam performance. So Coco Goff, I think, is going to get through to a semis. And you'd think Sabalenka, she's only lost 11 games en route so far. So she's, play, she's probably, with Coco Goff, the best-performed players. And the other side of the draw is going to be a first-time 
uh, there's going to be first time finalists uh, in the in the in a, in a major. So it's extraordinary. We've got a 19 year old uh, Czech 19 year old who's got through. She's only been as high as 41 in the world. Um, and so it's and and you've and you've got the number 12 seed uh, Zhang who's from China. So and the only the last Chinese player to win that was Li Na. So um, so yeah. So it's it's an interesting. It's very open on the top half. They've the the two probably favourites of two of the three favourites that fell early by the third round and um, uh, and then on the bottom half it's you know they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be fighting hard for that opportunity because of what's in front of them on the other side of the draw I think. So in other news out of the Australian Open, two pairs of Aussie wildcards have advanced to the mixed doubles quarters, so that's good news. And we see some familiar names, obviously, when it comes to the Legends doubles as well. The Poo, Mark Philippoussis, is going to partner the old crowd favourite in Marcos Bagdadis. I can't wait to see I, them back at it. Uh, I, look, these Legends, I saw them. They're slow. They're, they're, they're uglier. Uh, no, nothing's, nothing's in their favour, you know, as far as the, the, the men go. And I saw Marcus Bagdadis and, and Mark getting ready, and all Mark said, oh, the Greek community, they're coming out big. We're, we're home. You know, so uh, they, do, they do have a lot of fun, you know, and they are, you know, the second week when the majority of matches, all the matches now are on Rod Labour, um, you know, the outside course to get an outside ticket, see see the legends. And, and you just sort of, I guess, reflect on how good they were. They're, it's funny with um, elite sports people, with bat and ball, is, um, and I'm guessing it is with, with, with footy as well and, and, and rugby and, and any ball sport, is that, that you just don't lose your ability to, to strike it. And, uh, you know, whether... So when you see them on the tennis court, their movement might be... Some of them are extremely fit, but their movement might, might not be top shelf. But, wow, can they strike a tennis ball? And now they've got, you know, more modern technology. And so it's, so it's quite fun to watch the crowd. You know, the crowd are there and they put on a bit of a show, so it's fun. Uh, before we let you go, Rog, I think you're the only person maybe in the world who could potentially answer this trivia question. So I just want to put it to you. Uh, so a bit of pressure. Yeah, it is. Way. It is. But I'm confident in you. So uh, for those unaware, we've got a fellow who now works at Sky Racing here at French's Forest. His name's Pablo Faggiano. He used to be a reporter at uh, Fox Sports News, and he sent me through a fun fact in regards to Joker. So he's lost twice in the past 10 years at the Australian Open. Do you know who the two players were? Who beat him in those matches? Uh, Warinka would be one. It may have I been think. prior to the past ten years. Oh, was that prior? That's all right. Yeah. That's not part of the yeah. trivia Give anyway. Me. Dennis Istomin and Hyun Chung. Yes, are the two. Interesting, isn't it? That's a great. That's a. That's that would be a hard get for majority of people, including so, me. I, I I forgot Dennis Istomin. Was that five sets? I'm can't. I, Oh, he he did also had a he also had a tough one as well. This one against Federer, I think he's pushed a couple of people. He's one of those guys that was so classy on his day, but just just it was a roller coaster. Well, anyway, here's the fun fact. That was an aside. Yeah. Sorry if you don't mind. Do you know what those two guys had in common? And I think this could be a plan for anyone playing Djokovic in the next few matches at the Australian Open. Do you know what they had in common? It's a bit, little bit strange. That is strange. No, enjoyed enjoy tennis. They yeah. yeah, they weren't left-handers. They, no. they were quite. They were quite different players. Uh, Short, tall, one, fat, one, one, headbands, no, one was, one was, close, they, they, they close, in, They varied in, in si- size. One wore glasses. Glasses. Both on. wore glasses. <laughs> so that's the, the key. You reckon you could see it before you hit it? Both wore glasses. Yes. Who would have thought? They, 
Yeah. That's right. But S- Esterman did start to wear glasses for Sun. Um, they did. You're right. But he, he he didn't consistently wear glasses for his career. But I remember at the Australian Open in summer here, he did wear glasses. Yeah, I was close. So Roger, thinking... I need you to go up and who's he playing? <laughs> Who's, who's uh, the Joker playing? Just go up to his opponent today and say, mate, whack a pair of take glasses Take a pair of Oakleys up there. Yeah, just just yeah, wear the glasses out. That's a, that's a great uh, That's a great. And I'll use that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no worries at all. Hey, we'll chat again soon. Enjoy the Open. See you guys. Plenty of big names on the Big Sports Breakfast this morning. Oh, for we those. got the dog sitter on we there too. Re- <laughs> we need to repeat that. So our next guest is none other than Brad Davidson. And as opposed to referring to him as the Sky Racing form analyst, as it says on the page, Laurie said, oh, the dog sitter's coming <laughs> hey, up next. Not just the dog sitter, the free. The free he dog sitter. He doesn't charge. Yeah. What? He's the greatest dog sitter on no. the planet. Tell no. me he's not that good a mate, David. Yeah, g'day guys. Look, I've already done a couple of uh, dog walks this morning. Davo.dogsitter.com.au. That's where you can find There's me. There's a business right a there, Davo. Little side hustle. A, yeah, I've gone from a free service to a paid now. Yes. I've worked my way up to $2 per dog. Mate, why did you do that? He's not that good a mate, is he? Oh, dear. Uh, look, I think he got me at a weak moment. <laughs> pay it forward. It's the old pay it forward. He'll get it back in time. It was, no, it was greatly uh, appreciated, Bradley. No, it was fine. The uh, old Harold's uh, full of bundle of energy. And, Sounds uh, like it. Yeah, so no walking around uh, Bondi with. Uh, well, he was just telling me around, really. But yeah, it uh, sounds no, it was like fun back in the day. Well, you, they say your your dog's like your owner, so <laughs> oh, I'd hate to meet Benny's dog. He's an A grade <laughs> pest. He's, he's, he's an attack exactly. dog. <laughs> Actually, um, Davo, this isn't in relation to what we need to chat to you about. But Alex from Metalong, I did chuckle at your text coming through. Hey, Clarky, you'd hate to borrow Ben's spade. He'd wait out the front until you'd finished using it. Oh, I do harbour on a point on the odd occasion. Maybe I did uh, no. persist with the line of questioning about the maximum. For Fair enough, long. though. Yeah, you, were, you were a gentleman and very respectful of my old position, captaining Australia, by not embarrassing me straight up. No. You went and Googled. And showed me in writing. And then rammed it home <laughs> and for then 40 gave it minutes. To me. <laughs> yeah, if you don't mind. Hey, Brad, lots going on in racing, mate. Cabalas, the, the stable switch. Uh, I don't know that it was the stable switch necessarily, but it certainly paid dividends. That's a horse with a lot of promise from Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Look, I think the two big winners from Saturday were probably Cabalas and uh, our Kobe son, both really impressive there, guys, in a... In an off-carnival-type meeting, but uh, good to see Cabalas back. And, you know, he, he was a drifter. The tab wanted to take him on. They made him there later of the day, but, look, he never looked like getting beaten. So he was impressive. And our Kobe son, he was the one that was off the map, wasn't he, all day? And J-Mac gave him a peach and, uh, yeah, got a got a perfect run, but put him away and clocked, I think, the best last 200 of the day in the process. So he looks like he can win again and go through the grades nicely and looks to have come back really well. It's a great discussion point, actually, the lay of the day, because the week prior to that, Tab's lay of the day, won by four lengths and broke Octagonal's track record, and then Cabalas has come out and absolutely spanked them. So the boys are a little sore after the past couple of weeks. They'll be sore if Dubai Honor can come down here for the autumn again for William Haggis and put away another big race. It'll be popular. He will be, yeah. I was looking when we look at the Queen Elizabeth market there after the announcement yesterday that William Haggis, Ray Thomas wrote the story with five uh, five horses coming down, including, of course, Dubai Honour, um, trying to win the, the QE again. And, uh, yeah, $4.50 favourite. No other horse at this stage in single figures in that tab uh, Queen Elizabeth market there. So, look, uh, bringing a stack of horses down. Um, look, he has great success out here. He knows the type of horses to bring, of course, bringing Desert Hero as well, the... 
the Gordon Stakes uh, winner back last year, and of course, part owned by the King. So um, yeah, lot to lot to take out of uh, yesterday's announcement. But great to have Dubai Honor back for another crack at the QE. Any horses you're following out of the weekend's meeting, Dover? Look, I think there's a couple there, Loz, uh, to, to follow out of uh, the weekend. Um, I thought uh, the uh, the two-year-old in the first, Tartaglia, was a, a nice debut. And look, as I said, I think our Kobe son can definitely win again as well. All right. And in terms of forgives out of the past week or so? Yeah, just out of Saturday, Benny. Um, look, Sacred Fort pulled up coughing. Marnix, uh, Parachute and Musical Affair all pulled up with excuses as well. Marnix pulled up lame. Parachute was suffering from heat stress and Musical Affair pulled up lame. So just a few there out of Saturday that if you back them, um, genuine excuse. Or if you didn't back them, maybe just put them in the forgive file and if you like them, maybe give them another chance. Dave, I haven't seen much racing over the last five weeks of been away, but how are the two-year-olds shaping up at the moment leading into the slipper? Yeah, well, it seems to all be about Stormboy at the moment, Loz. He, he seems to be the dominant one. Um, I know often, I, I always say, the Magic Millions form doesn't really stand up from a, a golden slipper um, point of view a lot of the time, but geez, such was the performance of Stormboy working hard on a strong speed early and then running quicker time than King of Sparta on the day and just blowing them away like he did. Um, that was clearly, I mean, you know, I know a lot of ratings experts actually rated that higher than a lot of golden slipper races in the past. Um, right. So he is clearly the one at the moment and they're obviously uh, targeting the triple crown with him. So he's going to appreciate 14 or 1600 as well. So clearly the one at the moment, but um, as we know, a lot of water to go to the bridge the next couple of months. There'll be stack of two-year-olds coming back that have had race experience, but also stepping out for the first time. So, I don't want to say it's sort of his race to lose just yet, but um, he's certainly in the in the box seat at this stage. You know your reputation precedes you, Davo. When you come on a show like this, and as opposed to people texting in with questions in regards to racing, nearly all of them are referencing David Attenborough and your love of animals. I think Dugong <laughs> uh, was near top of the pile for me when you announced your favourite animal. In fact, you listed your top ten for no reason without even being asked. But I reckon the jellyfish pee story from the weekend has almost usurped it. Oh, I'm glad that you're listening to Behind the Gates on Saturday. But yes, I was asked my advice on how to uh, how to uh, basically cure the old jellyfish thing, and I said, "Don't you just put a bit of urine on it? Isn't isn't that what you do?" So anyway, um, I'm not sure you would follow my advice. But, uh, a lot of people say you wouldn't follow my racing advice either. But anyway, Laurie's been out there swimming, searching for blue bottles ever since. <laughs> Thanks very much, Dave. Chat soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.